Hello, I'm Ryan. And I'm Joe. And this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, we speak with inspiring movers, thinkers, and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. Actually, I think we're going to have to change that, aren't we? Because particularly for this episode, we're not actually speaking with anyone apart from, I guess, I'm going to (laughs) dominate this conversation because it is essentially about what happened to me over the past few weeks while I was in New Zealand. It was a very intense time for me. Some people out there might be thinking this is very self-indulgent, but I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Well, I think that the more that we kind of speak about some of the more challenging times in life and A lot of what you're going to talk about is how it feels when your parents are getting older and their health is suffering and it can feel really isolating. So I think sharing about those experiences and sharing what it's like to have a parent with dementia and how you're responding to that, hopefully there'll be people listening who appreciate your experiences. Maybe they'll be going through some stuff in their own lives and You know, sometimes it helps to not feel like you are fully on your own when you're in the (laughs) middle of this stuff. I guess, I guess so. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Joe. Because, you know, I still do feel like it's slightly self-indulgent to be... Hey, it's your podcast. Yeah, I guess so. If you can't tell your own story on your own podcast, what what can you do? We did say we were going in a different direction. This wasn't exactly (laughs) what we had in mind, but this is the direction life took us in. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess... It was a very intense two weeks and I've actually got two pages, full pages of notes here. So I guess I should get into it. And as you mentioned, my mum does have dementia. I think she was diagnosed about seven or eight years ago. And that has been rather challenging to see how my mum has declined over the past few years. I do. My parents live in New Plymouth in New Zealand. And I'm over here in Melbourne living living the high life, I guess. So, you know, I guess there's a little bit of guilt associated with that. And my dad has taken on the job of looking after mum. And I know that hasn't been easy for him at all. And my sister actually lived over here for a while. And she moved back with her husband of the time. And they later separated, I think, I guess the intensity of everything that happened was a lot for their relationship to withstand as well. And that's that obviously didn't go well, but there are things I could say that I won't. But I guess in effect, my my father has ended up leaning on my sister quite a lot and that hasn't been very good for her. And in the last few weeks, my dad, actually starting six months ago, my dad got pneumonia and ended up in emergency department a few times and my sister had to sort of essentially drop everything she was doing to help look after dad. My sister's name is Cassia and, you know, I'm very grateful for everything she's done. And I think that has been getting a lot for her, especially lately because now she's working through this divorce and things are, I think it's fair to say, getting ugly, right? Yeah, and just to give people some context, Ran's dad has diabetes and he's had a heart heart bypass mm-hmm. and some other heart problems and yeah. 
one time instead of calling the ambulance, he just drove himself to Casilla's house when he really should have gone straight to hospital. Yeah, yeah, and I had to have a bit of a chat with him about that. So, yeah, anyway, so that I guess that's the bit of the background there and my dad ended up in in emergency department a week or so before I decided to go over and I guess things were pretty bad, so I decided, okay, we don't need to quarantine anymore. Well, we do again now, but at the time we did not have to quarantine to get over to New Zealand. So I thought, okay, I should probably head over there and, you know, just do what I can to help out. So I decision, I flew over to New Zealand, went from Melbourne to Auckland, Auckland to New Plymouth. So got there in the evening and already as soon as I arrived, I could tell dad was not well. He was breathing heavily, you know, very labored. I was also, I guess, stunned to see that my mum had lost a lot of weight. She was looking very gaunt. One byproduct, I guess, or side effect of the dementia medication she's on, she actually lost all her teeth as well. And having dementia, she sort of somehow misplaced her false teeth. So She's lost a few sets, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, things tend to go walkies at that house quite a lot. So I arrived at dad's house. He He wasn't well labored breathing, all that. Also, my dad is attempting to sort of refurbish an old hot rod car and the spare room was essentially the bed was covered in spare car parts. So I had to find somewhere to sleep in the lounge room. And I remember talking to my dad and sort of looking over and just noticing there were a couple of buckets in the side of the room and it did had been raining and I noticed there was a leak and I noticed actually it looks like a good portion of the ceiling is leaking. So yeah, it seemed that my dad's house was not in a good way either. And so I went, you know, got this, got things sorted. I wasn't in the best of moods. Like I was a bit upset that the house seemed to be falling apart. It seemed like my dad wasn't doing a very good job of looking after himself. So, you know, I was feel I was lying there feeling this mixture of sort of anger, disheartened, just really sad and sort of not being able to sleep. And then I noticed that the fold-out couch I was sleeping on, one portion of it was wet because of this leak. So yeah, things were were not good. And but eventually I did sort of get to sleep, woke up a short while later to my dad turning on the light and saying, Ran, can you call the ambulance, please? He he was breathing very heavily. He was essentially gargling as he was sitting there talking to me. And I was like, okay. So I got up and I, I you know, started to call dad an ambulance. But dad was getting got up and started to sort of try and dress mum and get mum ready. And I, I was sort of like, dad, dad, what are you doing? Like, I'll take care of mum. You just sit down, just sit down. Just focus on breathing for a bit. Exactly. Yeah. So I called the ambulance and they, you know, sort of asked me to have a look at dad, you know, was he clammy? And I said, yes, he was. And, and they were sort of like, okay, if he, if he sort of, starts to vomit, put him in the recovery position saying, do this, that, and the other, and then just unlock the door, wait for the ambulance to arrive. So we did that. We waited for a little while this whole time. My dad's breathing very heavily. 
not good. And I, I guess another bit of background, a few years ago when I was with my granddad, we were actually, I was walking with him to the tax department for him to sort of do some stuff around his taxes. We were walking outside. It was cold. He forgot his jacket. He had a heart attack in the middle of the road. We had to carry him to the other side of the road. Me and a bunch of bystanders carried him to the side of the road. We had to administer CPR. So I had to give my granddad you know, mouth to mouth. And unfortunately he died. So while this stuff's happening with dads, I'm sort of having these weird flashbacks about my granddad. So it was, you know, a pretty intense time for me and for me, <laughs> all about me. But yeah, no, obviously I was very concerned about my dad and the ambulance driver or the ambulance arrived and the ambulance, you know, medic, both the medics turned up and one of them <laughs> says, hey, Gary. <laughs> because a few nights before that same ambulance driver had been there for my dad and seen him then and treated him then. But I thought that was quite funny because New Plymouth is a fairly small town, 50,000 people. So, you know, it makes sense that at least one ambulance driver would know him. So they sort of had a look at dad, checked him out and said, okay, we're going to take him into the hospital. So, yeah, they took him away and I think I saw the clock and it was around four o'clock in the morning. So I, you know, got mom, told her to go back to bed and I tried to get some sleep. A couple of hours later, my mum woke up, asked me where dad was and I said, oh, you know, he's at the hospital. He's all right. They're taking care of him. And she got concerned and, you know, I said, you know, it's all right. It's all right. So she went back to bed and that was fine for a little while. A few, a couple of hours later, mum walks out again, says, oh, where's dad? Where's dad? And I said, oh, he's at, he's at the hospital. He's all right. They're looking after him. And, and mum, she looks a bit agitated and I was like, oh, are, are you all right? And this is the most lucid she'd seen to me for a while. But she sort of said no and sort of began to describe to me what her dementia felt like for her. And it was sort of I guess the the clearest and and kind of most nightmarish description because you know she described her confusion and how she'll she'll just be doing her thing and then she'll sort of forget why she was doing it and and this was just a constant thing that was happening so she's just kind of in this constant state of confusion and she remembered how when she was like initially diagnosed she was terrified but how she'd sort of somehow gotten used to it. But at the time it was just this constant confusion and just not knowing what was going on. And and it was the sort of most lucid I'd seen her for a while. And, and so I got up and hugged her and we both had a bit of a cry. And that was, you know, that was nice. I was sort of, it was the most connected I'd felt with my mum for a while, maybe for a few years. But, you know, then she sort of went back to, you know, I love you and your father and your sister and and that's, you know, a real biggie. And then she'd just sort of repeat that over and over again. And so, you know, I, I guess for me it felt like, I don't know, had sort of just gone back to something, I guess, less, I, I don't know how to describe it. Sounds like you just had this moment of 
present moment clarity and then it just kind of went back to your mum's regular thought loop. Mm. So that conversations yeah. were surely a very circular. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And another thing about mum's conversations is I think there was a bit of trauma in her childhood and I think a lot of the memories mum shares are just sort of repeated tellings of, of some of that trauma and it's sort of interesting because when I sort of I see people describe on Facebook how you should just let people, you know, talk about whatever they want. And, you know, I'm not going to interrupt or anything like that, but like, yeah, you don't tend to get the good stuff. No, it seems like the memories that have made the most indelible imprint were actually really traumatic at mm-hmm. the time. And mm. also she had the trauma of a lot of other family members dying from dementia as mm. well. Yeah, yeah. And another thing I should mention is that one of my uncles and aunties who are, who are currently alive on mum's side also have dementia. So, yeah, that might come into play a little bit later. <laughs> but, yeah, so. And just to describe Ryan's mum, Shirley, she's just so adorable. She's she so lovely. She's little. She's super friendly. She just, when I first met her, she kind of just lived to take care of other people. Mm, yeah, and there, there's always been mum. And another thing I should mention, like, about my mum, she actually, she was fostered out from her family, the Ruakere Fano. She was fostered out and taken in by, I think it was her nanny and her another, I can't remember, a great uncle of hers, I think. And that's pretty common in Māori culture. I think it's pretty common in a lot of cultures. It's called being whangaied out. And she was brought up by them. And she actually had to leave school when she was 14, 14, to look after him. So, Essentially, you know, her education stopped there. And what I think is amazing is as an adult, she went back to school. She, you know, she went through high school as an adult, which I think is challenging. And like, didn't she also do it at the same time as she was taking care of you and homeschooling you when you had a rare blood condition? Yeah, yeah. And working, I think, two part-time jobs. So, you know, I think I think she was incredibly capable and yeah, just amazing. So Makes it doubly sad to see how she is now. So, yeah, that was my first night there. <laughs> so I think by now it was starting to become daylight, so I decided to stay up. So I hadn't slept <laughs> hardly at all this first night. Fortunately, you know, I'm, I'm useless. So I can't drive. And New Plymouth is not much in the way of public transport, so very grateful to my my sister and her partner, Aaron, who volunteered to sort of drive me around. So he he took me and mum down. Oh, actually, first I should mention, uh, the next challenge here was actually getting mum dressed. And I, I didn't realise at, at that time that mum cannot be left to dress herself. Like I'd sort of say, okay, you go and get changed. And she'd actually come back in some variation of what she was still wearing. So eventually we got there with me just sort of letting her do her own thing. So later on, Aaron drove us down to the hospital. Dad was still in emergency. My sister was there too. And yeah, that we're still waiting to hear what was happening with him. And it sort of turned out as a bit of a, a sidetrack as well, but it will have some relation later on. A few of my family, the few of the Ruakere whānau were actual, whānau means family in Māori, just in case you didn't know. Some of the Ruakere whānau were in 
the hospital there at the same time. I think at least, yeah, I think there were two great uncles of mine, one great aunt and another aunt were in the hospital. And funny story, I kind of, in the emergency department, I looked up at the the patient board and I was F rural kid. And I was like, just a minute, is that, is that my auntie friend? I was like, you know, and then one of the nurses sort of said, Hey, that's not cool. You're violating privacy by looking on the board. So <laughs> I got totally told off and I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to ask about auntie friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to stare at my feet now and not look over there because the nurse seemed a bit upset at me. So, I mean, it shouldn't really be where everyone can look at it, right? No, it's just, <laughs> it's just in the centre of the room. So, And they they actually turned the patient names off after that, <laughs> apparently, so I hear, because I couldn't, yeah. couldn't actually see it. Um, Not that you were looking. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, so we were there for a while. Eventually Dad got moved up to a ward, so we helped him get him settled in there, and that was fine. And after that, went back home and... You know, I, I thought, okay, I'll look after mum for a day or two and that should be fine. And, yeah, that, the rest of that day was pretty uneventful. So, Was that the day you discovered you could get Uber Eats in New Plymouth? Well, that was – actually, was it? Let me look at my notes. Yes, yes, it was. New Plymouth has Uber Eats. So I ordered a pizza and it was great. <laughs> the story is going places, isn't it? <laughs> no, but actually another thing I'd mentioned, my mum had lost a lot of weight and – she literally had half a piece of pizza. Like when I'd made her breakfast, she'd be able to eat half a piece of toast. So that was a little bit concerning as well. But yeah, celebration, we had pizza. <laughs> and what happened then? Yeah, the rest of the day was uneventful. We'll go to Tuesday now. So I got called by someone at the hospital. Apparently dad was being moved into intensive care due to having some pain. I didn't find out till a few days later that it was actually a heart attack and arrhythmia. Dad had coded. He woke up with a bunch of people around him. Apparently they'd used, you know, the defib on him. So it was actually pretty serious, but the nurse at the time or the person that had called me from the hospital didn't really sort of say much about that. Anyway, she also wanted to let me know that there was the availability of respite care for mum and she gave me a number for a person to call and that number was actually for the wrong person but the message was delivered to the correct person who I think called me back the next day and telling me that we had five days of rest home level cover and that detail of rest home level cover becomes important later on as well. I'm setting so many things up. There better be some payoff here, right? (laughs) So, okay. So now it is Tuesday. I decided with the dressing of mum that I actually need to take a bit more control of this. So I decided to go into a room and find what clothing I think she should be wearing. And mum tends to sort of try and keep herself busy by organizing things and as a result just clothes are not where they should be you know there's one sock will be here one sock will be there so you know I had to find it was a mission to go through my parents drawers and find underpants and bras and socks and all that and I essentially had to sort of stand in the room and make sure that mum 
put everything on, you know, whilst allowing her to retain her dignity and, and you know, being a good son and <laughs> I don't know. It, it was weird. It was weird. I guess kind of like being a good son but also almost being a parent at the yeah, same time. Yeah, totally. And I should add that to me it seems like my mum is at the level of a toddler now, which on one level is super adorable but, <laughs> yeah, on another level is super disturbing. So, yeah, we, we got mum dressed and – Aaron wonderfully turned up again, took us down to the hospital and we're told that dad needed to be flown down to Wellington Hospital to have a procedure. I think it was an angiogram. I think Taranaki Base Hospital, it's not equipped for everything. So for big cases like that, they'll ship them out or fly them out somewhere else. And normally he'd be flown to Waikato, Waikato Hospital, which is up in Hamilton, But just a few days before, Waikato Hospital had succumbed to a hack. It had been hacked. They were using paper records for everything. So dad was being diverted to Wellington instead. And Who hacks a hospital computer system? I know, I know. And it actually, it was pretty big on the news back home as well. So it was a pretty huge event. So at this stage, I was only going to be staying in New Zealand for a week, but I made the decision that I should fly down with dad. We should take the offer of respite care for mum and I should take an extra week off because it really felt like. Yeah, it felt like you needed to be there a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I messaged my employer or, you know, my manager. I messaged you. Just made sure because you were at home covering all my classes which wasn't going to be be so much of an issue later on, but (laughs) at this stage, COVID in Melbourne wasn't really happening, but we'll come back to that later, I guess. So many strands to the story. Oh, such an intense two weeks. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I was there going to stay for another week. So that was all organised. I told Dad. He seemed somewhat relieved. And so all we had to do was organise some respite care for mum and then I would organise some flights and find somewhere to stay in Wellington and that was kind of interesting. It took me three Airbnb attempts to find somewhere to stay. The first two were declined but that's fine. I found somewhere eventually and I got a flight down to Wellington for the Wednesday. So yeah, on the Wednesday I dropped mum into respite care and that was kind of sad and intense as well. And mum sort of started to follow me out, but I was like, no, no, stay here, stay here. And as far as I knew, that was all fine. So, yep, flew down to Wellington, visited dad in the hospital ward. And I think, you know, dad was on a lot of medication and we had a bit of a talk and I actually forgot to add very important detail here. Part of my mission of being in New Zealand was to try and convince dad that it was time to put mum into a home and he has been understandably very resistant to this idea. He has been feeling, you know, he's he's really taken on a big job of looking after mum and his life partner, the person he loves most in the world. And, you know, I, I starting from my first moment there, I was trying to say like, you know, this isn't fair on you. This isn't fair on Cassia. It's 
probably not for your own mum either. And she really needs, you know, specialised care at this stage. Yeah, and it really seems, sorry to interrupt. No, no. It really seems like between our last visit, like your dad really had it all together. He had all the house stuff going on. He really was taking care of things, but it seems like on this visit his health was suffering, the house was kind of suffering, mum was not getting better and was going to need more and more care. Like it really seemed like from what you said it was time. Yeah, and I actually think, well, I know that I think Dad got such a scare on that night, on that first night I was there. He could, he was struggling to breathe, I think. You know, there was a bit of panic going on. I think he realised that he was just killing himself trying to look after Mum. He, he realised that it's, you know, he is leaning on Cassia quite a lot and I had to sort of stress the point that she's going through this divorce. She's got a 12-year-old son to look after. She's got a job. This can't go on. And to be fair, hundreds of miles away in Australia. So, and I just don't realistically think I could move back to New Plymouth, which, you know, has its own guilt. And, you know, you could call me selfish, whatever, but I just couldn't do it. I wouldn't expect you to do it either. Well, we kind of couldn't really work there no, either. No. Like, I mean, New Plymouth has yoga studios. New Plymouth has heaps of yoga studios. But, yeah, it's yeah. not really an option. No, no. So, you know, talking to Dad and he, it seemed like, yeah, he actually realised that it was time. And another bit of background with my dad, he's from that generation you know, some would call them boomers, but a generation of men that don't really share their feelings that much. And for an example, dad's dad, I know, I, I feel like such a like poor little, <laughs> like my dad's never told me he, he loves me. And, you know, it, it's 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 kind of comical to, you know, I'll say, love you, dad. And he'll say, yep. there's been some strategies around getting Gary to say he loves you yeah yeah and you know like I know he does and and it's kind of funny but also the I've only ever seen him cry once and that was after grandma died and I wasn't really prepared for it so dad started to cry and I I sort of freaked out, I guess. And then dad saw me freaking out and then he just sort of clammed up. He just clamped down and that was, you know, that was it. Get yeah, turned off the emotion tap. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I sort of regret freaking out. You but know, you're I, just a little kid, right? No, I was, I was, I was in my twenties. I was in my early twenties. So yeah. So I was determined that wouldn't happen again if, you know, I, I, anyway, so back to me and dad, we were sort of talking about what's happening and you know, dad was like, yeah, I get it. I understand. And then he was sort of like, like, I also want you and Kasia to know that I love you both very much. And I know that was really hard for him. And he started to cry and, you know, so I, you know, put my, my hand on his shoulder to support him and which is the bare minimum of <laughs> emotional support, but you know. Oh, it sounds like you held some space for yeah, your dad as yeah. well. And he probably wasn't in a good state for like big hugs. No, no. And he was on the other side of a table and something, you know, physically not really. 
<laughs> not, not them. <laughs> yeah. Your dad was not in a very huggable location right no, then. No, no, it would have caused mayhem. <laughs> More problems. Yeah. Last time he ever said it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anger from nurses and doctors. Yeah, yeah, you're already in trouble looking at the board. <laughs> oh, I know. Different hospital. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah, that happened and I guess in a, in a way it was good. Though very sad, but funny thing, next day dad, dad was like, oh, I think they had, you know, I was on this diuretic medication. I think that might have made me cry. I'm like, yeah, sure, dad, sure, <laughs> sure. You know, I had something in my eye, yeah. Mm, allergies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that was funny, but, yeah, after that I, I left dad, went to my Airbnb and, you know, it was it was fine. It was, you know, I wasn't expecting anything great. It was a nice big room, very central in Wellington, but, yeah, you didn't come here for that story. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, tell them more about the Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was fine, it was fine. All right, so what day are we up to now? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, so Dad had told me the next day, which I believe was the Thursday, that he was going to have his procedure and would find out what was going to happen with him. And... Opening or visiting hours started at 10 o'clock. So I was like, yep, I'll turn up at 10. Gives me time to go and have some breakfast, this, that, and the other. So I went off and had some breakfast. This has made my leisurely way to the hospital. Turn up at 10 o'clock and dad wasn't there. I was like, oh, okay. Asked a nurse, where's Gary Bowen? He just went for his procedure. He should be back in about half an hour. So I'm like, okay, yep. So I'll just go off and do some other stuff. So went and wandered around the hospital for a bit, got some food, decided to go for a wander down the street for some reason got a haircut and that was a that was a story all on its own sort of interesting total kind of hip-hop barbers like really funky cool I don't know what I was doing there getting a haircut getting a haircut yes (laughs) so that that was fine got my haircut went back to the hospital still not there I'm like okay I'm getting a little bit worried now but I'll just Look at my phone for a bit. Yep, look at my phone, go for another wander, wandered around, eventually got back to the hospital around 2 o'clock. I was pretty worried by then because I hadn't seen him all day. Anyway, turn up into his room, dad's there, chirpy as, says, oh, that that hardly took any time at all. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I've, I've been waiting around all day. And I think he'd, you know, they must have put him under anesthetic or something and he was like, yep, yeah, no, it seems like everything is okay. The doctor described it as a quotation marks simple infection. So basically his pneumonia had just sort of gotten a, you know, gotten pretty bad, maybe caused a heart attack. So, yeah, but good thing he was on the mend. So Yeah, there was some talk of him maybe need to get another stent put in. And yeah, and that he didn't, that need, didn't, need to didn't need any of that. And Dad's actually also told me that he would, probably refused to get another bypass because the last one just put him out of action for so long. So that was okay and they were going to discharge him the following day. So I was like, okay, we'll get some flights back home. But it turned out couldn't get flights for the next day. I think the only flight was at 6 o'clock in the morning. and you know, No one was keen on that idea. No, no, well, no one was getting discharged by 6 a.m. So... I decided that I would book a hotel for that evening and we would fly out the next day at about midday, a respectable time of midday. 
Unfortunately, there are not many direct flights between Wellington and New Plymouth. So we ended up having to fly from Wellington to Auckland back to New Plymouth. So I booked those flights. That was fine. By the way, this was turning out to be quite an expensive trip, but you know, it was a family emergency, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm very grateful that I could do this. So where am I at in my story? Yes. While you're looking at that, I just want to share that the flight to New Plymouth is like a little plane with propellers. And I thought that Ron was joking when he told me that, but no, for real. It's mm. just a little plane with propellers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, another thing I should add. In this time, my mum had escaped from the rest home. She had wandered out. And because it was only rest home level cover, it turns out that this place that we'd left her did not have facilities to look after a dementia patient that was in mum's condition. So they pretty much turfed her out. So my sister had to take her. So pretty much this whole situation, which I'd been trying to avoid, had happened. And, you know, Sia, she was actually, you know, she she dealt with it as she has in the past many times. So thank you again, my sister. So what happened next? Yeah, so mum and escape, but Cassia didn't want me to let dad know because we didn't want dad to worry. So, you know, I was careful not to do that. So let me change the page. I'm on to the second page because we're only up to pretty much the end of week one. So it was the Friday morning, checked out of my Airbnb. I actually had to leave the Airbnb early. Got dad from the hospital. We actually spent quite a lot of the day just waiting around for him to be discharged. There were some very nice nurses there. And just in case I haven't said this a million times already, I think nurses are incredible. They work so hard. Yeah. And 99% of the time with a smile on their face. Yeah. Just unbelievable. We, we made friends with a few other patients in the building, including, oh, who, yeah, it was interesting. Some old guy who had who worked for the New Zealand film unit and had at one point in his career filmed Prince Charles walking up a hill. Career highlight. Yep. A lovely lady from Wairoa who had been flown down. She was, she was lovely. And also another guy from New Plymouth who had been diverted to this hospital due to the Waikato hack. And it turned out a few people had been diverted down there. Anyway, so we eventually got discharged and I took dad to the hotel and arrived at the desk, said, hello, my name is Ram Bowen. The man at the desk said, I'm sorry, we don't seem to have your name. And I said, I have a booking, I'll have a look at my email. And somehow I had managed to book the incorrect date for the hotel stay. I definitely plugged in the dates I wanted to book in, but it appears it gave me some date further down the line because that's the first that was available and I had not checked it properly. So panic time yet again. The man at the counter, I think it's the James Cook Chancellor Hotel, was very, very amazing and managed to book me into the last remaining room in the hotel, which actually turned out to be cheaper than the booking I'd done online. So there you go. So crisis averted, me and dad checked into the hotel and we managed to stay 
there for a night and uh, had some of the lovely buffet meal food (laughs) for both dinner and breakfast. And, oh, my dad cracks me up. We had breakfast the next morning and, like, it was not healthy. And my dad said to me, I'm going back to seconds. I need to bulk up. (laughs) Spoiler alert, my father does not need to bulk up. Quite the opposite. Uh, hey, did I just fat shame my own dad? Yeah, yeah. I was about to also mention that while he had nothing but lovely things to say about the nurses in Wellington Hospital, oh, he was yeah. not impressed with standard of Wellington Hospital food versus New Plymouth Hospital food. And I think that is because the Wellington Hospital food, being you know that he was in the cardiac ward and all, is a low salt. Um, (laughs) Not very tasty. No, no. Lacking a certain something. Yeah, I heard that many times. (laughs) Well, sounds like he made up for it at the breakfast buffet. Yeah, yeah, he really did. He really did. Uh, But it was actually, it was kind of nice sort of treating my dad to, you know, stay at a hotel. It was a nice hotel. It was not incredible. And, you know, I was in the same room as my dad. So, did you guys have to share a bed though? No, of course not. Well, you know, last yeah, room. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Most hotel rooms just have a double bed. That's so, true, yeah. That's true. No, it was, it was good. <laughs> but my outrage, no, of course <laughs> not. Um, Interesting side fact apparently, Ran snores, but his dad doesn't. Mm, mm. And who was the one wearing uh, <laughs> earplugs? Noise cancelling earplugs? <laughs> Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That you need to get because I snore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you're getting all the personal details, folks. Mm-hmm. All right. So we left uh, the hotel. We checked out of the hotel. We went to the airport from here. And, you know, it was a cold day. We waited. Wellington Airport had to walk out across the tarmac. And I was worried about my dad again because, you know, he was still breathing a little bit hard and you know it was cold and uh, and I was worrying again so we got onto the airplane plane he's sort of wheezing a little bit but he's all right we got that first flight up to Auckland made it to Auckland waited there for a few hours for our second flight mostly uneventful so that was good again walking out to the tarmac I'm worried about dad (laughs) seems to be a theme here and then you know we flew down to New Plymouth on the propeller plane (laughs) Uh, I took my more than my fair share of barley sugars. As we landed, I could hear someone point out the local landmarks, including the Mitre 10, <laughs> which for some reason seems to be important in New Plymouth, but there you go. And But we were just happy to, to be there. My sister and her partner picked us up and took us back home. So, you know, that was, that was pretty uneventful. We got back home the following day. The Sunday was also uneventful. But on Monday, my sister had made an appointment to see the doctor. And so we all went to the doctor, again, with the help of my sister's partner because my dad had been told he couldn't drive for two weeks due to having a heart attack and all. So we went to visit mum's doctor and she was lovely, lovely Scottish lady. I won't try and imitate her accent, but but it was very lyrical and lovely. And, you know, basically she knew I was there and I feel like she'd actually been waiting for the moment for us to say that it was time to put mum into a home because she sort of said to dad that you've been doing an amazing job, you shouldn't feel guilty at all. <laughs> kind of a backhanded compliment 
She said, you've lasted far longer than I expected you would. Thanks. And it also turned out that he'd been offered in-home help that he'd refused, which kind of annoyed me a little Classic bit. Dad. Yeah, but, you know, it's because he thought he was he was handling everything. And, you know, she left the room and Dad was very quiet and obviously a bit sad, and, you know. I said, you know, Dad, you, you know, you've done a good job. I think it's important that we do this. And, yeah, he, he kind of agreed. So, yeah, so we, we left the doctors, did a few other things. The following day was uneventful, but I think on the Wednesday we decided it was we had to take mum in for a cognitive test with a nurse. So we took her in, the nurse did the test with mum and she got a result of three out of 30, which for me was very, very confronting, but not completely unexpected. It was just kind of like a confirmation of what I already knew, but still, you know, very stark. I don't know if, if, if I got that result on any exam result, <laughs> I'd be very disappointed in myself. I don't know why I think of it in that term, but yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> Another side note, because my sister works in a bank, the nurse sort of remarked that my sister had granted <laughs> that nurse's mortgage. And I was like, hmm, did my sister arrange these results somehow? <laughs> 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 I don't think she did. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that was quite confronting. So we did all that. We we got back home and also realized I hadn't laid the groundwork for another piece of information is that another thing we needed to do, and this is after hassling dad for many years, is to get power of attorney so that my sister, you know, who does work in a bank, it just means she can just sort of easily organize everything financially. That she can get his bills paid and she everything. Can, yeah, yeah, because dad still pays with check and they're actually trying to phase that out in New Zealand and it would just be good if, you know, everything's automatic because he can just do all that. So we've been hassling dad for years and years and it turned out the power of attorney drafts were actually sitting on his coffee table in an unopened envelope. So I took it upon myself to open this envelope up, have a look and, you know, decided or well, realised that we actually needed to sign it in front of the lawyers. So I thought I'd call the lawyers and say, we need to come in, make an appointment. And it turns out the lawyer's assistant already had it in her notes to call us that day. So so that was good that we're getting onto that. But also it turned out that there were going to be a few complications for mum due to her having dementia and not being able to make decisions for herself. So we had to go in and talk to someone who specialized in that. So we went in for some reason, dad made the decision to bring mum in rather than let her have her group session. And, you know, we took her in dad's power of attorney, really simple. We just signed the things for mum. Yep. It turns out that we need to go to the courts to have someone independently assigned on her behalf that will enable us to do what we need to do, which is to put her in a home, essentially. And essentially, I guess the gravity of the situation hit me then. I was essentially putting my mum in a home against her will. And, you know, I know it makes sense she hasn't got the capability of making decisions or anything like that, but I know from the past that it's not something 
that she would want. I mean, I don't think it's something that anyone would want for themselves. No, but it's still, yeah, it's still quite crazy. And (laughs) I think the the lawyer was kind of visibly disturbed that we'd brought mum there because she asked if it was possible for dad to come back another time without mum there and dad said, of course, yep, yeah. I think he just habitually just takes mum with him. Yeah, well, I mean, he probably can't leave her at home on her own, right? But any time he has an errand or something. No, but he can on, on a Thursday, which this day was, she has group sessions and he could have just sort of let her go to group, but for some reason he didn't. But that that doesn't really matter, I guess. But anyway, so yeah, we we did that. We got the ball rolling there. I think the cognitive test sort of helps us in establishing the fact that mum is incapable of making decisions. There's another doctor's appointment going to happen. Um, it was also organized that some assessment people were going to come in and assess mum for getting dementia level care because the New Zealand government does have a subsidy for this type of thing. But at this stage, I didn't know when that appointment was going to be either. But uh, we did all that. We got back home and <laughs> my auntie Raya, I think I have to talk about my auntie Raya now. Auntie, I mentioned earlier that mum was fostered out and brought up with auntie Ray. They're, they're sort of pretty close to each other. Auntie Ray is hysterical. She's four foot 11. She's very short. <laughs> <laughs> She's a dynamo. She's a dynamo. She was widowed a few years ago. Uncle Peter was super awesome as well. So it's sort of, it's kind of weird. I have a wealthy widowed auntie, but yeah, the, this is an important thing because I, I actually asked, well, she was coming over to visit. She visited, she bought half a bakery with her, totally unhealthy, but whatever. And I said, oh, can you take me down to the supermarket? You know, just wanting a lift so I could get a few things. And she's like, okay. So drove me down there. She took a shopping trolley. They weren't the super big ones. Those two smaller ones. So she took a trolley. I had a trolley and she said, Ran, we're going to fill up one of these each, get them nice and full and don't tell your dad how much this is costing. And I was like, all right. And, you know, we live across the road from the supermarket. We go pretty much every day if we need to just get a few things. So I'm not really used to doing a big... Auntie Ray style shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And especially, I don't know, like I don't necessarily approve of everything that mum and dad will buy. So I, you know, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy bulk whatever they eat. But <laughs> so I'm starting to do the shop. And my Auntie Ray just goes, Ron, what are you doing? Like half a dozen eggs? Why did you get that? Like, why did you only get one of this? Full dozen, Ron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, Two bananas run? Seriously? (laughs) So I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to have to. Sounds like you're really failing on the Auntie Ray Abundance shop. I know. So I just went, okay, I'm just getting three of these, four of these, you know, just sort of trying to mostly be as healthy but within what I knew mum and dad would actually eat. So, yep, did that. Uh, It came to like, actually, I won't say it. It came to a lot of money and thank you so much, Auntie Ray. (laughs) She really is amazing. So, yeah, we got that back home and I did not tell my dad how much it cost because he, he well, it's fine. He'd be like, you didn't have to do that. And then that's it. That's it. That's, yeah. That's the consequence. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So after all this, I think we're up to the Friday now. Oh, another side note. <laughs> On the Wednesday, I went to a yoga class 
<laughs> and it was all right. It was good. New Plymouth has good yoga. On the Friday, I got an email from the studio owner who knew that I came from Melbourne saying that she felt unwell and was wondering how I was. Also, the email had the subject line COVID-19 because all of the stuff around COVID had been happening in Melbourne. And, you know, I, I really do. I understand her concerns. I'd be a little bit concerned if I was feeling sick and I knew someone had visited from Melbourne. But, you know, I had to assure her that I'd arrived on the 16th, which was before a lot of the stuff had happened. I checked the list of exposure sites. I'd not been to any of those. Also, I've had, you know, the first of my two vaccines, which does, you know, obviously doesn't cover me completely, but I was reasonably confident that I was okay. And besides, I'd already visited, was it two cardiac wards? And a rest home. (laughs) A rest home, an emergency department. Been on a few flights? Been on a few flights. Like, yeah, talk about patient zero. That would have been just bad. This email was just a masterwork of customer service diplomacy (laughs) at the same time, implying you gave her COVID. (laughs) uh Yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, I understand understand her concerns. You know, there's something that's serious. So I think, though, like, best thing to do if you have any concerns is just go get yourself tested before you kind of email people who you (laughs) might have seen. Not even in her class, just at the studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Speaking of yoga, did you have anything you wanted to talk about, Joe? Yeah. So, coming in for our mid roll announcements, Rad and I just wanted to let you all know that you can do yoga on Zoom with us every week. We started doing this last lockdown and we actually really love sharing online because it means that we can teach people who might not be based in Melbourne or Ran does a chair yoga class. So it means that if you're not physically able to get to our studio, you can still practice with us. We do tiered pricing for our online classes. So you can pay $5, $10 or $15 according to your financial situation. And it's a lot of fun. We really love connecting with people over Zoom. We've got this like little global following, which is really lovely of friends and family of our local students who've reached out to their relatives and they will get to practice together. So yes, you can find out more at gardenofyoga.com.au and we'd love to see you on the Zoom, you and your pets, which has been an absolute (laughs) bonus of teaching online. I've got to meet everyone's pets. Beautiful. So that was the, I guess, most interesting segue into it. <laughs> I also just want to like send out our love and support for Melbourne and Victorian yoga studios mm. and really everyone who's been affected by the latest lockdown. It's number four and, you know, yeah, yeah. it's and, tough. And it was kind of crazy watching all this stuff happen from over in New Zealand. Like I feel like New Zealand news is actually more intensely centred on what's happening in Melbourne than what's happening in New Zealand. It's pretty bizarre. Yeah, it's a different lockdown experience as well, doing it on my own for a few days mm. as opposed to when Ran's here and we've just got our little bubble and you know, mm, mm. our life doesn't change all that much. Mm, mm. But not being able to visit friends or go outside for more than an hour a day felt pretty different on my own. Mm, mm. I guess we have been talking about me for, I don't know, 50 minutes or so. How was all this for you? Well, the first week I did 
make a real effort to like go and see friends and get out of the house because I was in a little bit of a work tunnel and I had quite a lot of work dreams because all I was really doing was like stuff around the house and teaching classes. So And, and teaching my classes. And too. teaching your classes as well. So I was like, okay, make a real effort, get out of the house, have some social interactions. And I was also doing all of these little home jobs that like I wanted to sneak in while Ran was away <laughs> because he kind of vetoed while he was home because it was too much of a personal <laughs> inconvenience so like oh i'm gonna get in there and get those jobs done so our house is looking fabulous it's, it is amazing the bathroom looks amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah look, a couple of bathroom like t- tile grout jobs that you can't have a shower for 24 hours and run needs to have two showers a day so he like hard node to that particular job <laughs> I mean, you guys should see our grouch. It's yeah. never looked so good. Uh-huh. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what was it like being in lockdown? It must have been kind of lonely. Well, you know, <laughs> I had Nagano. Oh, that's true. Oh, my God, Nagano was not coping with right away. <laughs> it was just like too much bad kitty energy. Yeah. He usually has the two of us to keep him entertained through the day, but it was just all on me and it was a lot. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, I normally get up, like have a bit of a YouTube uh, watch <laughs> on TV before I get started with my day and I think that's a that's a bit of a special time for me in Nagano. <laughs> and he was probably missing that. Oh, he was so bored. He was like, meow, get out of bed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, I should segue also to my parents' cats. Yeah. Oh, they've got two very interesting cats. One name is Ali, who's the more rambunctious yeah, though 15 years old, very, Still going strong, very tiny, very scary looking, sort of goes, Meh! and and then there's Ruger, who's named after a gun because my dad is a hunter or used to be a hunter. Cat named after a gun, the most scaredy cat, like you'll be, a, you can stay there for a week and you'll not see Ruger. That's how scared he is. But actually Ruger, actually, I got within a couple of meters of Ruger in the time I was there, so... Yeah, things things are looking up for me, I guess. I reckon next visit mm. is going to be a real turning point for you and Ruga. Yeah, I, I reckon you could be right, actually. Mm. Yeah, should I get back to the story? Back, back to your story, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I think this is the Friday before I eventually came back, but shock, horror, my flight to Melbourne got cancelled. So I was due to fly out on the Sunday and that was cancelled. So as you could probably tell, I was a little bit, bit worried like when will I get back to Melbourne because by now I was was more than homesick I was missing Joe I was missing my cat I think you know like I think here I am like you know I'm the the king of my castle here you're you're my queen we (laughs) we rule over our little empire (laughs) of Nagano um and and my pot plants (laughs) and pot plants and you know I was sort of staying in my parents house and it was yeah, like I was happy to be there and be able to take care of things for a little while, but I was I was also I was more than ready to leave. So yeah, like that that added a little bit of stress. So I was sort of waiting around to find out when I'd get booked back in. And fortunately it turned out I was booked in for the very next day, but pretty early in the morning. It, meant I had to get up at like 4.30 in the morning, but I was happy to do it uh, um, if it meant coming home into the middle of a lockdown. But also in this time that I had learned that my great uncle Widder 
had died. And he was actually one of the people, one of the relatives that was in the hospital when my dad went in. So I don't know, the, the, weird, the trip had a weird symmetry, a weird cycle about the whole thing. And if you don't know anything about Māori culture, we, we have funerals or tangi that last for three days. And his funeral was being held at Punio Pa, which is our local marae or meeting place where my family will gather for funerals and reunions and that type of thing. So I guess what was good about my flight being cancelled was that it meant I was there for an extra day that we could go out and go to Punio Pa and I guess connect with the family and, you know, pay my respects to my great uncle. So that was good. And we took mum with us as well. And it had probably been quite a while since mum had seen any of her family. So, you know, we, we decided we'd try and sort of sneak her in. So normally at a marae, you know, there's a, a bit of protocol. You'll turn up and you'll get called, welcomed on, and then you'll sort of walk into the the Whareinui, the big house, and you'll sort of have to hongi every person, you know, around the room. So we were hoping to sort of sneak in and, you know, because mum, things can overwhelm her quite easily. <laughs> we ended up, we didn't, you know, get welcomed on, but we did end up sort of going in and sort of, you know, honging with everyone there. And that was, that was actually good. You know, it was great to sort of see some family. And we also connected with my auntie Kome and my uncle Ruinui, who both also have dementia. So it was sort of really good for mum and my auntie and my uncle to be together. And my sister actually caught a beautiful photo of them, which I think I'll use for this episode. I will credit my sister. I better ask her first as well. <laughs> and also past podcast guest, Joe Tito. Yeah, yeah, I met Joe, Joe in person for the first time, which was really cool. And I showed her some pictures of my cat, which I don't think she was that impressed with, but, you know, she she pretended to be. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just kidding. But no, but in all seriousness, it was actually really good sort of connect with my family and it brought back a whole lot of memories for me of, you know, I did spend a fair bit of time when I was younger going out to the marae and, and going to funerals and, you know, it was a good reminder of my my family, my whānau, my culture. So I feel like it was pretty much, a, you know, an amazing way to end this whole time. So, yeah, I guess really that brings me to the end of this tale so far. And I guess I do have, I, I don't know if regrets the word, but, you know, I am aware that things are not fully resolved yet. We're still waiting. I think mum did have her assessment, but there's still a few steps that need to happen before we can get her into care. So until that happens, I'm worried about my dad's health still, whether I'll get another phone call or a message saying dad's in an emergency ward. Though when I did leave, his health was in a far better place than when I arrived. Has he got his alert? He hasn't got his alert buzzer. We did mention to the doctor that we think dad needs to have a personal alarm and he is also open to that idea. Again, I think the everything that happened kind of gave him a bit of a fright. So, you know, he's very amenable <laughs> to many of these things. Dad 
doesn't have a cell phone and I don't think he'd handle an iPhone or anything like that. So we are on the lookout for just the most basic old person friendly phone that you can get. So if anyone out there has an idea of what could be useful, please let me know. But yeah, as I said, there's still things to happen. And I did also promise that when it is time to put mum in a home that I will be there because I think it is going to be quite an intense time. And I guess, again, I'd just sort of like to thank my sister for really just holding the fort. And it's kind of a thankless job. And in fact, she's probably actually encountered a bit of hostility, particularly from mum, because of what she's doing. So, and that's just because mum's, you know, she's not understanding things clearly that things are being done for her own good. But I don't think it's fair on my sister. And, you know, like I was very conscious of the idea of, you know, I'm not just going over there to sort of swoop in and be a hero and try and fix everything. Like if anything, I'm trying to sort of make amends for not being there. So, yeah, I guess that's where I'm at on that. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything to add, Joe? I guess if you were a guest on our podcast, I would ask if there are any like personal self-care practices that you kind of leaned on in that time or anything that kind of helped you get through that (laughs) emotional challenge and, you know, kind of be your best self to show up for your parents and your sister when it was time for that. (laughs) To be honest, I only did one yoga class while I was over there. And that caused heaps of controversy. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually did. I did spend a bit of time meditating, you know, um, when I got some alone time, I did meditate. But you know what? I actually feel like it was the time I actually spent connecting with people, like my sister, her family. I forgot to mention it was my nephew's 12th birthday when I was over there. And so I got to spend some time with him and all I did was watch him play video games, but I really enjoyed it, though it was in a way painful I feel like that time I had looking after mum was the most connected I've been with her for a while and I actually kind of enjoyed it, you know, just sort of... Just hanging out together. Hanging out, just sort of looking after someone, like, and, you know, obviously (laughs) dad said he loved me. (laughs) So while it was sort of this time of struggle and an intense emotion, I actually... You know, while being aware that it's not resolved, it's not over yet, I feel like I came out of it having just sort of learned a lot about myself and my family. So, yeah, like I was so happy to be home though. <laughs> oh, it's so good to see you. Yeah, yeah. you too, yeah. you too. No, it was, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that will conclude the story for now. As for our next episode, still not sure what that's going to be. We're sort of winging it from this point on. So this is why you got this episode, I guess. But, you know, we do have some things we're kind of working on, which we think are interesting. Yeah, yeah. We're just trying to just change the way that we do the podcast, really, and not kind of set the schedule for ourselves that causes us extra stress. And just when the time is right, we'll do an episode. There Mm -hmm. are still people we're really excited to talk to and -hmm. it's still going to continue, but Mm -hmm. not in a scheduled way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to be a bit more freeform. 
Exactly. And also, uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning that we'd like to honour the traditional custodians of the land where the studio is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd also like to honour my elders back home in Aotearoa. And you know, I feel a little bit more connected with them now. And other than that, our theme song is Baby Robots by Ghost Soul, which is used with permission. So go out and get his music from ghostsoul.bandcamp.com. Other than that, aroha nui. Big, big love. <laughs>